that's when it came out of a clear blue sky. Oh, the dear good Lord's own sweet breath and his voice like an electric shock. I Welcome to Good Luck America, a politics and news podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Chet Wild. Hey everybody, welcome to Good, Good Luck, Luck America, America, a politics and news podcast. A news and politics podcast. Or a news and politics podcast. A, a podcast about news and Shut up! Pals. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? told me to shut up which is it uh we doing a trevor noah thing here where i won't talk and i'll just sit here Stuart, you'll be my voice today <laughs> i don't let me say by the way it is great to be here in this echo chamber I'm... yeah <laughs> i don't get that reference is that a daily trevor show thing? noah lost his voice and is not allowed to speak like if he wants to have his voice again so his different correspondents are coming on and basically being his voice while he just sits there in complete silence the entire episode Wow. Right now. Wow, that's... He uh, couldn't just let them host? What do you want, just white people on television? Fucking racist? <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> hey, that's Stuart Thompson also. Hey, everybody. I don't think we ever said Chet's name. That's Chet Wild. People know who I am. <laughs> do they? People know Based me. on their annoyance of my presence here, yes. Okay. How's everyone doing? <laughs> I was doing good until I opened my mail, which I shouldn't do, and people are sending me columbus related christmas gifts so fuck everybody that's doing that columbus related christmas gifts i really hate the city of columbus Ohio. oh are what? you from columbus you're not from there are no you? i would have killed why myself you, long ago why do you hate columbus so much it's a garbage city okay okay i mean i mean so's buffalo nah. yeah but it's his garbage city you know what i mean right I, yeah right like, like where i feel like wherever anyone's from there's people are always going to find things to hate on for that city and like, I'm from San Francisco. I was born there. Uh, people will also be like, well, you didn't grow up in San Francisco. You didn't go to high school. It's like, y- are you mad because I didn't get made fun of in yeah. the same right. city as you? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Outside of housing costs and homelessness, I have a hard time shitting on San Francisco. Well, the homeless do not have a hard time shitting on Thank the city you. proper <laughs> of San Francisco. <laughs> that was exactly where I was going if he didn't. <laughs> they, they do not have any trouble <laughs> just taking a real mean dump. I lived city in that has San it. Francisco for three months, and while I was there at several points, at least twice, which is twice too many. <laughs> too, too many. The escalator at the BART station near me had to be shut down while they cleaned out all of the hobo poop. <laughs> Shitting on an escalator. That's fucking brilliant. I never thought of it because it, it'll get like yep, taken just... in. Oh man, that is it gets that put... is some smart shitting right there. <laughs> it yeah. get, gets put through that meat grinder that is a, re- a revolving staircase. Yep. <laughs> then... uh, imagine if you have the runs and you stand on top as the escalator's going down so you just get like the whole oh, <laughs> oh man. Caution, wet stairs. <laughs> Ouch. You just slip and then you fall down an up escalator. It's like, oh, I keep falling in this shit. Uh, that's anyway, as, you're shitting on escalators. That's as Good respectful idea. of a segue as we're going to get <laughs> when it comes to talking about George H.W. Bush. The dead one. He died recently. Aww. Well, I would just Not bring the dead to me one. Speed. Yeah. I'm glad they finally 
got him in the fucking ground so I can watch the news again. Mm-hmm. It felt like it took a very long time. Because be a train. I want to be delivered to my grave by a train. Yeah. Th- don't they always do that? That's the thing they do with any any dead president right? any president you get they, they put him in the book. they put him in the capital and you get to fucking gawk at his dead body for a few days i always found that strange to just be put on displays like yeah. i don't like i don't know if any like if a dead person could come alive and just comment on their current situation i don't know if any of them would like that yeah i feel like does anyone i mean the, i know we have no privacy in 2018 but this is that's salacious. a bit much i wonder if they do it so they so there's like no doubt like, oh, sure, your president died. You're just hiding him somewhere for the apocalypse. Before oh, we get into the core talking points of this pod, can we talk about how fucking awkward it was to watch Trump and all the other presidents just sit there and, like, how... You can. I didn't watch that bullshit. Have, he had to have been going through his head, like, what's my funeral going to be like? There's no way people can say nice things about me. Oh, yeah, no. No one's... None of those presidents are showing up to his funeral, I bet. But... Well, that's assuming we have presidents after him. Yeah, Which that's he, a good point. <laughs> he did tweet today something about uh, whatever the witch hunt as usual, but he's like, no future president should have to deal with this. Woof. And I was like, oh, he thinks there's going to be a future president. <laughs> yeah, that's that good. is comforting. Yeah, I, it's interesting just wondering like what a post – because every, every day feels like a year under Trump. Oh, yeah. And like, I, I, my, my roommate and I have a – the thing where we, it's been a long year today. It's been, <laughs> and I've just, I'm wondering, it's so hard to envision that post Trump world just because it feels like it's been forever. Yeah, it really does. And just, and just, you know, watching someone have to clean up, spend their entire presidency cleaning up a mess. Yeah, it's, but we saw that with Obama to some extent. That's too. true. He inherited true. a lot from George Bush. I don't think he inherited nearly as much as whoever takes over after Trump, God willing, yeah. is going to. But we'll see. But yeah. in the yeah, I didn't I didn't watch any of the funeral shit. I, just I watched did, I all didn't of it. Care like and it was from what I understand, the Bush family had to promise Trump he wouldn't be like picked on or called by name throughout the whole thing. Yeah, well, it, it would be a shitty place to sure. It's, oh. it's not a place for Oh, when I politics. see Donald Trump's here, what do you do, sir? But yeah. it was interesting it, it, with the three or... work in the room on a <laughs> eulogy? <laughs> with the three or four eulogies uh, that happened, though, I think it was three of them, um, it was so, even though Bush and Trump are both Republicans, and by label anyways... In a, in a broad like, sense. Basically, everything that was said about Bush was the exact opposite of Trump. Like, obviously, we're going to get into shitting on Bush, and rightfully so. He's done yeah. a bunch of awful things. But in terms of just, like, the decency of the pres, like, behaving presidentially and being, like, a, a good human being to his family and gentlemen and those things that I know are all debatable. Like, yeah. Trump embodies none of that. Yeah, it's... it's like, he's telling, like, his... Oh, sorry. Like, like, his love story of, like, being with his sweetheart and the whole one woman the whole time. It's like, Trump, you know... He had he was loved by his many wives. You know? <laughs> yeah, it it was it's interesting that George H. W. Bush is you know perce- could be perceived as the last you know Republican president who s- at least seemed like a decent person. Right, but that's because he was in the CIA and he was good at going undercover as something yeah. he wasn't because he was a fucking awful person. And him and Bob Dole are also the last two popular like well known World War II heroes. I know you can debate that, but yeah, 
yeah, that's but that's the thing I don't like. All of this, oh, he was like the ideal. Like, no, he wasn't. It was just yeah. Don't funerals think... people remember you in your your best light, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I can't think of any funeral where people were just like, ah. I mean, he. No, I, yeah, and he I'm... really is good with his library card. That's like that's <laughs> that, that and... old uh, Bill Burbett, like like. Uh, he was good at paying his bills on time. Like, what do you say about this guy? Yeah, I'm not. I don't mean at the funeral. Obviously, it, it's more a thing that came up on Twitter, and it came up in a number of different articles where there was a lot of press and publicity and social media chatter around the idea that George Bush was like a model of a what how how a pre- yeah like a gentleman a, but a politician and the two things that he wrestled with because they're contrary to each other. Well then, you know what? Don't be a fucking politician, I guess. <laughs> because the gentleman act it, it like we'll get into it. Like we're sure. we'll, we'll get into the things that he did as president and how he became president. Like shitty thing number 1, how he got elected. It, yeah, he got like people don't that didn't come up in all the talks about how much of a gentleman he was but he basically used a bunch of racist dog whistle shit to get elected in 1988 it was the the willie horton ad basically Mm. it's it's a notorious moment and it i feel like that's kind of where negative attack ads started yeah there's a lot more decency before yeah that in election i would have only been i was eight when reagan got elected so i don't i mean maybe there were Reagan was elected in 80 the first time? I mean, his re-election, 84. 84. So I don't know. I don't remember campaign ads from then, but I was just like fucking watching baseball and cartoons. Well, even if you watch the old presidential debates from like 80, 84, they're very tame compared to today's right. standard. I feel like if Trump ran against Dukakis, he would just call him a small Dukakis, and that would be his whole fucking campaign. Yeah. It, it, little man Dukakis. <laughs> He's got a little one down there. Yeah, you, that would, yeah, yeah. That'd be the whole thing. Well, Dukakis lost for such crazy reasons. Like he looked weird wearing a helmet while he was driving a tank. It's like he's driving a tank. <laughs> Who cares if he looks weird in the helmet? No, you he's ever driven look a handsome. tank? He has to look like his best in the in the helmet. No, I was alive, but I was like a baby. Uh, was it a big deal that he he chose a female vice presidential running mate? Did that hurt him? Like, would people not vote for him because, oh, a woman in the White House? I don't think so. I don't, I, I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of that. Reagan won 49 states. Sure, like, if this guy dies, we got a yeah. female running the country. I'm sure there was some of that, but it wasn't, it wasn't overtly stated. Like, the news was so different back then. There wasn't the 24-hour news cycle with people just talking about stories obsessively. So you would just, like, you, you would see Dan Rather at fucking 6.30 at night, and then that would be... That would be the end of it. So if that was out there, I'm sure it was, but it didn't get reported on a lot, according to my eight-year-old recollection. <laughs> but it, it, yeah, the the way Bush got elected, the, it it wasn't just the Willie Horton thing. He also, uh, it, we'll talk about Willie Horton more in a second, but one of the other things that I remember really vividly and that was, I think, all equally distasteful was they kind of focused on this rumor that Michael Dukakis maybe had sought treatment for depression mm. at one point. And they were like, you're going to let a fucking sad boy run your goddamn government? Reagan called him an invalid because he maybe had gotten treatment for depression. He had to release his medical records and yeah. show that he had never 
been treated. You no, know, it'd be depression. way better if we had a Republican president that had lots of mental health issues that were never treated or even acknowledged by their party. Yeah, it's yeah. like you had dementia, motherfucker. Oh, I was talking about our current president, but also that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like during the Iran Contra hearings, when Trump was like, I don't, or when uh, Reagan was like, I do not recall, it's like, maybe he fucking really yeah, he probably recall. doesn't recall. Yeah. Yeah, maybe he legitimately has a bad memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. That's yeah, it's so strange how we have just like a history of electing mentally ill Republican presidents. Like I, yeah. I, I can't remember if there was anything particularly wrong with George H. W. Bush, but I mean like George W. was a you know <laughs> coke, coke recovering coke addict. Right. Oh. And I thought you were gonna say fucking oh no wait, I got in trouble for saying that word last time. Never mind. Okay. Uh the but, Jesus, Chad. <laughs> I, I actually didn't even hear what word you said. Um, and then, you know, and Trump may have, you know, there's a belief that he may be on diet pills and may have been on <laughs> well, diet pills. Well, they are for not working. Time. Jesus. Yeah. And that, and that, it's like something that affects his, you know, cognitive ability. And, you know, Reagan had memory issues. You know, those are, yeah. What a, what a strange, you know, dink. <laughs> it's almost as JFK if we had headache issues. It's almost as if Republicans go for candidates that can be controlled in some way. Oh, Manchurian have... candidates? Yeah. Well, not, I mean, not so much that, but someone who needs a little guidance and influence. I feel like a lot of Republican candidates, it comes down to someone going, look, you're going to be the face of this. Yeah. But because does anyone, did anyone feel like George Bush? the second was our actual president when he was in office or did it feel like that was Dick like a, Cheney. a Cheney Rumsfeld joint which yeah, that Cheney Co- movie looks pretty fucking good yeah yeah, yeah. when when they said it was Christian Bale I was like oh wow that is I'm, I'm like looking it's like is that yeah swear crazy. to me George Bush <laughs> <laughs> where are the votes in Florida <laughs> and yeah like Reagan was he was just an actor like I feel like Reagan there was someone. What are s- my lines? Or something. <laughs> <laughs> there were some groups behind him that were just like, I feel like Reagan was like a testing ground where they just tried all sorts of crazy shit and made him the face of it. And he yeah. was a successful actor, too. He wasn't just like a nobody actor. He was yeah. president of the, the fucking Actors Guild. Yeah. Uh, he was somebody of, with influence and power before he got into politics. Yeah, and, he, and that's, he, if I was president of the Actors Guild, that's why I should be president of a much larger organization. <laughs> that was kind of one of his arguments Amazing. in running for politics. And he also, uh, people don't know this, he has this long history of when he was president breaking up labor unions. He was he actually kind of fucked over the Screen Actors Guild at one point during negotiations for something like he just like conceded to the other side. Wow. In the, to the detriment of his fellow actors. He was a real piece of shit too. I wrote about it on Cracked. Go find that article. But back to George Bush and Willie Horton. Willie Horton was they had this program in Massachusetts where they would release prisoners like for the weekend to try and like integrate them back into normal life without it being so jarring where you've been here been in prison 10 years and now you're free. I would let him out on Mondays to start, but that's just me. Well, I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily the weekend, okay. but they would let him out and this one guy, Willie Horton, was on this prison furlough program and while he was out, he raped a Maryland woman, white woman, and bound and stabbed her boyfriend. And the Bush campaign cited this as evidence that Michael Dukakis was weak on crime. And he raped that woman. <laughs> yeah, basically. 
And Instead, let's vote for a president that rapes his own wife. And Le- yeah, that was year. Are you talking about Bush? I'm talking about Trump. Oh, okay. Well, that's he wasn't the alternative to Bush. I'm just. Nah, I could have framed that differently. <laughs> Decades later, <laughs> welcome to the outtakes, everybody. We don't have to take everything this back is to the Trump podcast. <laughs> Outtakes. This didn't make the episode. This is the weirdest episode of Doctor Who I have yeah. ever <laughs> witnessed. Uh, this was a quote from Lee Atwater, who was a real piece of shit. If I can make Willie Horton a household name, we'll win the election. And Lee Atwater was like a political strategist who a lot of the scandals that took down Democrats in elections, he was the man who engineered them. And he actually, like, he confessed. He did all these deathbed confessions and this Willie Horton thing was one of the things where he was like, sorry. That was kind of <laughs> fucked up. On his deathbed he's just yeah. pulling his car. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, this is awkward and I can't breathe. Ooh. So let's watch the Willie Horton ad, everybody. It's still on YouTube for, for everyone's Bush uh, and enjoyment. on crime. Bush supports the death penalty for first-degree murderers. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. Horton fled, kidnapped a young couple, stabbing the man and repeatedly raping his girlfriend. Weekend prison passes. Dukakis on crime. Wow. So elect Dukakis and black people are coming for your girlfriend. Yeah. Was, and it's not just that they ran this ad. Bush brought it up constantly during his campaign. Ironically enough, the first person to bring it up, though, Al Gore during the Democratic primary. Mm. And Bush kind of seized on that and just really ran with it. Did Al Gore run for president? Or was he running to be the Democratic? He might have been in 88. It's possible. Maybe. I can't remember that. I mean, I don't know why else he would have brought it up. Yeah. (laughs) Just going to make a quick cameo. (laughs) I hope everyone's all right with that. Just fucking tosses an envelope into the room, walks out. (laughs) Read that. (laughs) So. (laughs) Mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things this also led to, Bush running with this, that kind of became the focus of political campaigns for about 10 years, where it was all about crime and protecting people from crime. That's where Hillary Clinton calling black people and you know people of color, what was the word she used? What Hillary Clinton called Super predators? Oh, yeah, super predators. The Basically super getting predators after the thing. white vote because black people don't come out and vote or they're gerrymandered to make it as difficult to vote as possible. Well, it was, it was black people are scary. Listen to all this rap music that's popular now. They have dreads. They're just like predators. They're athletic. (laughs) They make weird clicking noises. You all know black people. Yeah. Jeez Louise. And it led to all of these really discriminatory prison policies that Trump seems like maybe he's going to be the one to to fix, which we should talk about that on an episode pretty Mm. soon. But all like especially mandatory minimum sentencing and three strikes laws that all popped up in the 90s that just nonsensical very disproportionately impacted black people hey you gotta keep those prisons in business adam they got beds to fill they got mandates to keep yeah updated yeah we'll we'll we're gonna replace them with immigrants pretty soon 
So don't worry, private prison unions. They don't have unions. What the fuck am I talking yeah. about? I don't know why I said unions. I just have Reagan on the brain. <laughs> That's not good for your brain. That, uh, <laughs> no, absolutely that contagious. not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, memory issues. Every, every new subject. Well, I can't seem to remember what's next on the docket. <laughs> Line! <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to read more about this, uh, there's an article on New York Times by Peter Baker called Bush Made Willie Horton an Issue in 1988 and the Racial Scars Are Still Fresh. Or if you want to read some vintage uh, material... The Dukakis Mental Health Tale on WashingtonPost.com by Richard Harwood. That article's from 1988, mm. and it talks about Bush and Reagan hitting on Dukakis and his alleged mental health issues, which he eventually mm. had to release medical records. Let's get Dukakis on the pod. <laughs> Maybe. I wouldn't. Yeah, what, whatever happened to that guy? Is he still around? I, I just saw that there was a documentary about him in 2015, and I'd love to fucking watch that. Yeah, I mean, like, he really... I never heard anything about him passing. No, he's alive. He's alive? I remember even as a kid who couldn't vote, I wanted Michael Dukakis to win. Like, I don't know what- <laughs> You were born third party. <laughs> yeah, I think my dad was still voting Republican against his own best interest. And even at that age, I was like, mm, no, we can't vote for George Bush again. That's no good. And uh, so, yeah, but uh, Dukakis lost because George Bush ran a really racist campaign that- fucking kicked off a cycle of laws that built the private prison industrial complex whatever you want to call it but if the man in the high castle has taught us anything there is a world where dukakis won and things are better <laughs> and some of us can just go there by thinking about it hard enough but only Spoilers. if you're spoiler alert if your version of yourself is dead in the other world that's the only way you can travel oh that's right yeah well, I'm pretty sure Dukakis is dead in the man in the high castle world, so I am waiting for that season four cameo. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Dukakis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how come they didn't have a Dukakis head on Futurama? I don't know. I expected there to be an answer. Do they have a Ralph Nader one? I, that's a good question. I think they just, maybe they just never got around to third party candidates. Yeah, could be. Hey, let's talk about this next thing that George Bush had a hand in, the Iran-Contra pardons. Presidential pardons, baby. Everyone knows about the Iran-Contra scandal, presumably, but if not, just a quick rundown. The Contras were a right-wing army that was trying to overthrow the left-wing government of Nicaragua, because that's what we do in South America, Latin America, Central America, wherever socialism pops up, we intervene and try to break it, and we're usually successful at it. Uh, just like we're doing in Venezuela right now. But Congress now. was like, hey, fuck you, America. Not yeah. fuck you, America, but like, hey, quit fucking around, America. No aiding the Contras. Right. They they passed a law that said we could not send more money to the Contras. Checks and balances. And Reagan said, no, and sold that shit anyway. You guys both have solid Reagans. Thank you. It's an easy one. Yeah, it's 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 almost like a, just like this weird, soothing, quizzical. <laughs> yeah, you just... Kind of come from, like, the back top of your mouth. Hello? <laughs> Can you, real quick, do Reagan being interviewed by Johnny Carson? Well, it's a very special episode here at the uh, Good Luck America podcast. I find myself here with <laughs> formerly dead president, currently alive president, Ronald Reagan. 
Well, I <laughs> want to know how I got here. <laughs> uh, well, Ed, uh, I don't know what to tell you, but I feel like we need to break it to him that there are such things as Lyft and Uber. <laughs> <laughs> I could listen to this all day. <laughs> it's my new favorite thing. Uh, so yeah, they they forbid they forbade Reagan from sending more money to the Contras. So what we did is we just funneled money to the Contras in secret using money that we earned selling arms to Iran, which was just fucking taking Americans hostage all willy-nilly all the time at that point. Like, we weren't supposed to be selling shit to them either. Mm -hmm. And so we did one illegal thing and then used the money from that to fund this other illegal thing that also somehow kicked off the crack epidemic. Uh, That's a, a pretty famous story. Now I believe it. Wait, I'm, I missed the connection between this and crack. It's, you got to watch that Rick James documentary. Well, <laughs> no, not Rick James. Fuck, Rick Ross. <laughs> yeah, the, there's but there's probably a lot of crack in the Rick James documentary as well. Probably the the original Rick Ross documentary on Netflix. It's really fucking good. Okay, but it's about like you how can, Coke became a thing in L.A. Oh, you can watch that. You can also, it's got to be online somewhere. But because I remember, I remember how during that time, crack was introduced into you know poor neighborhoods to, and it, and but I, it's always like this sort of sort of far off rumor as to how exactly what right. how much how much the government was involved. You know, who fucked that AIDS monkey? It was all very garbled. There's <laughs> actually that AIDS a, a movie just came out about Gary Webb is the journalist who broke the story about mm-hmm. the CIA's connection to starting the crack epidemic. But they also they talk about it in the Rick Ross documentary. Okay, he wrote a really extensive series of articles about this. Got it. And like, if if you. Just bring it up, a lot of people will be like, no, that's been discredited. And no, it hasn't. There were like a couple New York Times editorials where they were like, well, we're not sure about how he researched this. But it's like the the fucking information is out there. And then he killed himself by shooting himself in the head twice. Because you know how people shoot themselves in the head twice when they commit suicide? Yeah, make sure it's done right, you know? Yeah, that's that's what you do. <laughs> you accidentally blow your cheek off and just recover. Oh, no. Here we go again. Uh, there actually are a handful of good cases. Good measure. Blah, blah, blah. There are, I uh, mean. A handful of cases of people that like unsuccessfully shot themselves in the, or like shot themselves in the head, but didn't. Right, but then, but, but then but they did didn't they... take another, they didn't go, oh, I better pick up this gut and shoot myself think, in the head I think, again. I think doing that usually becomes sort of a wake up call if where it... you're like, oh man, I don't want to do this. If at first you don't succeed, try, yeah. try again. Or maybe they just wanted to blow out the depressed part of their brain, and then if you can There's move on after that. One of my favorite conspiracy theory-related suicide stories is this guy named Terry Yeeke, who was one of the first cops on scene at the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm. And almost like within a week after it happened, he was like, it is not what they said it is. Like What they're saying happened is not what happened. And he carried on with this for a few years and eventually committed suicide by cutting himself up a bunch in his car. And then apparently because he didn't die, he walked a mile through crazy terrain that involved going through. Separately, his legs walked and then he walked the rest of his body on his hands. It involved him cutting through a creek and climbing a fence after he'd already done all this shit to his body and then getting to a clearing 
where he shoots himself in the head with a gun that wasn't found until the FBI showed up and it was found 50 yards away from him. What the fuck? And that that has that is in the government record as a suicide. In short, not to digress too much here, but what was his theory or explanation on what actually happened? That you want me to explain his theory on Oklahoma City in short without in digressing? Two sentences. I, he just that it. Well, I don't know. They oh. killed him before he was oh, able okay. to. He didn't like publish outwardly say whatever it was. Yeah, he just. I, I don't remember what he implied, okay. but I'm, I'm just saying the government does some shady suicide shit sometimes. I will say the way you described his suicide sounded like the exact lyrics of like I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. If people, uh, there's a lot of articles out there about the Gary Webb thing and the connection between the Iran Contra affair and the CIA and George Bush and Reagan. Uh, but one of the last things Bush did before leaving office in 1992, yes, would have been 92, yeah, was to pardon a bunch of the people who were convicted in the Iran Contra affair. And the thing is, during that whole, during all those proceedings, Reagan could kind of be like, "Yeah, I didn't know what was happening. Like that, this was just the people around me doing it." But Bush couldn't because there were documents that had Bush's name on it that showed he knew what was happening. Hmm. So what he did by pardoning these people right before he left office was avoided them having a big public trial that would have revealed what he knew during the Iran-Contra affair and what would have probably, could have conceivably sent him to prison. And then it paved the way for Trump to, you know, like every president now just pardons yeah. the shit out of people. Presidential pardons is such a fascinating power they're given. Right. Like that's not a necessary thing. Or is it like designed politically so they kind of always have an out so they can cut things off like this or return favors well i mean that's the issue with like brett kavanaugh saying like the you know he believes that the president can like pardon himself <laughs> yeah and i don't th- there's no way that's true yeah that's uh, you can't isn't there like a sword involved with pardoning or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> i get it confused with knighthood I'm <laughs> uh <clears throat> so yeah the if you want to read about that how george hw bush paved the way for trump pardons by John Wiener. Ah, uh, <laughs> Wiener should have written that uh, ah, oh, On John Wiener. <laughs> like the penis. It's you good, got, good you article, got, though. You got roasted John Wiener. <laughs> roasted, oh, roasted Wiener. Wiener. Yeah. Uh, Wiener roast. Oh, man. <laughs> We're doing good work today. Why'd the 9-11 sign stop flashing? <laughs> Does it disapprove? There we go. <laughs> How about uh, the Gulf War? Everyone really praises George Bush for his handling of the Gulf War because he didn't invade Iraq. He just kind of went in and fixed the Kuwait issue. People in Kuwait still love George Bush. No reaction to that? (laughs) I am not uh, properly educated enough on the subject to... I was just trying to picture a bunch of people in Kuwait just like having candlelight vigils for an old white man. (laughs) They probably are. I bet right now Kuwait is kind of heavy-hearted over this because he did did do good things for them. Like Saddam Hussein was going to fucking wreck Kuwait. Yeah. And I think they're still doing relatively okay for being where they are right now. So they probably don't mind... George Bush one bit. But one thing people leave out of the Iraq war is the radiation we spread in the Middle East. And also the fact that we specifically targeted civilian targets thinking like, oh, they'd turn on their government if we make them fucking miserable. Right, right. 
And we did that for about 40 days. Like we, everyone talks about, oh, what an efficient war. We went in, it was over in a hundred hours. Like we were bombing the shit out of that place yeah. for 40 days before that. In part with How the biblical. idea that if we destroy yeah, exactly. all the civilian uh, areas, they're like, they'll need us to help rebuild. And they kind of, that is kind yeah. of what happened when we yeah. went in and it worked. Just bomb them into codependency? Yeah. <laughs> Just murder civilians until they agree that they need our help. Yeah. It's yeah. like I'm trying it's, to think how to make that work in a relationship now. Like, what's the <laughs> bombing? And they left behind all of these shell casings and bullets and bomb fragments that were laced with depleted uranium. Uh, we dropped over 970 radioactive bombs and missiles on Iraq, and it led to an outbreak of leukemia in Iraq. They call it the White Death there. Since 1990, the incident rate of leukemia in Iraq has grown by more than six. Hundred percent. Wow. This is a quote from Dr. Jawad Al Ali, an oncologist and member of England's Royal Society of Physicians. The desert dust carries death. Our studies indicate that more than forty percent of the population around Basra will get cancer. We're living through another Hiroshima or Hiroshima, depending on what side of the fence you're on. <laughs> and it's a problem that impacts Hiroshima. <laughs> Who's leaning on the fence with that one? <laughs> I've heard it pronounced Hiroshima. I no, I, 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 just, I just thought it was funny. It's the <laughs> defining conflict of our day. <laughs> uh, it's Shima. <laughs> it's Shima. <laughs> Since 1990, the incident rate of leukemia in Iraq has grown by more than 600%. I think I already said that. Uh, Bears repeating. Yeah. It, it impacts vets, uh, Iraq war vets also. And it's so fucking crazy how this happened. Uh, uranium-238 is a trace element that's left behind when fissionable material is extracted from uranium-235. So when we take one kind of uranium and extract the shit we need to make bombs, it leaves this other type of also radioactive uranium yeah, behind. Like but radio- now it gives you leukemia. Well, what it, what it was doing was piling up at all these nuclear processing plants or these plutonium processing facilities. And we were like, whatever will we do with it? And being the United States, we were like, let's make it into bombs. Mm-hmm. So we made bombs out of radioactive waste. Bombs, bullets, all kinds of fucking weapons, and then dumped them on Iraq. And now everyone there is getting fucking leukemia. I mean, to be fair, they were trying to create a country of Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. They might have. We don't Give even them the know. sludge bomb. <laughs> it's not like the war was so easy when we went back in the second time. Maybe they all have mutant powers now. Yeah, I just assume they all like glow green at the right moment, like the Kree people and yeah. the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is that weird line chin they have? And we knew this shit was toxic forever. We, uh, in 1943, the people behind the Manhattan Project suggested that uranium could be spread across wide areas of land to contain opposing armies. Uh, in the late 50s, Al Gore's father, why does he keep coming up? A senator from Tennessee proposed dousing the demilitarized zone in Korea with uranium as a cheap failsafe against an attack from North Korea. And when all of this came out, we the Pentagon refused any demands to disclose the chemical and metallic properties of its munitions, also refused to order the testing of U.S. soldiers stationed in the Gulf. But in 1991, the U.K. Atomic Energy Authority study predicted that if less than 10% of the particles released by depleted uranium weapons in Iraq and Kuwait were inhaled, it could result in as many as 300,000 probable 
deaths. There's probably more than 10% inhaled. Yeah. So Yeah. And it's not like Iraq is in a state that would uh, allow for the the free flow of detailed medical and death records to the United States. So we don't know how many people this actually impacted. But this is the kind of thing where like it makes me feel like did we go back into the Middle East just so we could destroy them enough that they would never bring this up. Uh, it's not. It wouldn't be surprising if it was. I mean, it's it's so strange. I mean, just looking at the the arc of the of the Middle East just through history, how it's just like this source of life and civilization, and now it's going to be sort of the it, it seems to be the source of looking at just rubble. Right. You know how, how much I, I know. There's plenty of amazing cities that you know were the times more peaceful. They'd be they'd be great to visit, but you know. After everything that's happened in Syria and Iraq and you know, Saudi Arabia and Iran, it's like it just it seems like this is going to be a museum of just like of of dead cities. Yeah, yeah. A good uh, a good litmus test for should I travel here if you're looking to travel the world is did the U.S. bomb this place? If so, don't go there. Not yeah. good for your health. There's a this seems like a weird tangent, but there's a documentary on Netflix called Dogs. Which is really good. It's about, about good puppies. About good puppies. None of them die. Don't worry. And one of the episodes is about a guy living in England trying to get his dog back to England from Syria. And they're in Damascus. And if you look, like when they show a wide shot, you can tell Damascus at one point was just a beautiful city mm-hmm. that you would probably have wanted to visit. But then it's like Stuart said, there's just all these pockets of rubble and destroyed buildings. And it's like every day it just becomes more of that. And there's also places uh, from World War II bombings that you still can't go into the fields because they don't know what fucking mines and different things right. are, are laid out. Yeah. So that's like what we did in the first Gulf War was probably a war crime. Like George Bush and anyone who ordered that should probably be in front of a judge or some of of some sort right now, but we've like we're pulling out of the Human Rights Commission, I believe, if we haven't already, because we've done so much over the past just 10, 15 years that could probably get us brought up on war crime charges. Also, all that shit ruined the Super Bowl twenty five halftime show. I, I don't remember, remember that. The Bills Giants, and instead of showing the halftime show, they did like a special breaking Gulf War or whatever because it was happening. At the well, same that's time. lame, but is that the one where Whitney Houston sang the national anthem? Yes, years okay, later, it so that's be a trade off. That she, yeah, you, you win some, actually, you lose some. She lip synced. She didn't lip sync it. She had a backing track playing while she sang. As that that that's common. That's common. I'm not shitting on it's her. It's common. It. Like that but it wasn't it's a February. live recording. It's cold. There were people who were mad at John Legend for for lip syncing during the Macy's parade. Everyone lip syncs at parades. That is not a you can't just haul a fucking concert stage with you on a parade route. That Did you watch so the, the live Garth Brooks concert of from Notre Dame? Of course not. I hate Garth Brooks. Interesting. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, of course I did. I really just with the same there was a level chance enthusiasm. you might like that. I, no, Not because I don't like, you like it, just 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 the level of enthusiasm. Yeah, I just I don't like Garth Brooks' music at all. Okay. He's garbage. Anyways, he was singing in the cold. Garth bitch. <laughs> hey. Big Chris Gaines fan, though. We back in the weenie roast. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> we're changing yeah. the name of this network. <laughs> all right, let's get through these last two things uh, quick here. Uh, there was also his response to the AIDS crisis, which... This is one where you can point to the fact that he signed the Americans with Disabilities Act and the Ryan White Care Act, which both were he did more than Reagan did in 
terms of AIDS, but it was kind of a too little, too late thing. By the time he signed the Americans with Disabilities Act, 59,000 Americans had already died of AIDS. And just worth noting, it took a white kid from Indiana dying of AIDS before anyone was like, oh my God, this is awful. It's in our backyard now. Yeah. But well, like when 60,000 people had died from it, we were like, yeah, they're gay people though. Now, in his defense, I'll push back on this one a little bit. There was his chief of staff advised him to not sign this, to veto it. And there was a lot of pressure on him to not sign this, or they wanted him to take AIDS out of the ADA and other things. And he went against all the pressure he got and said, like, fuck it. No, this is the right thing to do. Uh, I was listening to the guy that pushed this bill through on NPR this week. He was talking about it. Um, And Bush, from my understanding, was, like, very affected because of his daughter and some other people in his life, too, that had issues. Which I just realized, his daughter died of leukemia at three, and then he gave all those fucking people leukemia. Yeah, What an asshole. But... He did push through this. He did push this through despite a lot of pressure from his own party to strip it down. So I'll give him credit for that. Well, I just I I think I led with saying you can give him credit for that. Like that's And then I went on to give him credit for that. Right. Like no one's no one's denying that he signed this. He signed it and he's good at giving people leukemia. He is very consistent on a couple of Maybe his dick gives people leukemia and that's why his Yeah. It may be. Outtakes, everybody. I don't know where that was going. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it, like, I guess. Like, yeah, he signed it. Great. That's that's fine. But it took his daughters and, again, a white kid from Indiana being impacted by it before he gave a shit. And that and white kid from Indiana's name was Mike Pence. Well, his name, his name was Ryan White. Like, he's probably a crisis actor, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, we, we were not going to put a lot of thought into this name. No, 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 no. But, yeah, like, once that happened, then, yeah, Bush cared. But up to that point, when it was just killing gay people, he was like, eh, who fucking cares? And this, the, these are some, some quotes on that. This is Urvashi Vaid, who led the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force from 1989 to 1992. If one was being charitable, one could say it was a mixed legacy. But in truth, it was a bad legacy of leadership. He did not lead on AIDS. And this next quote is Hillary Rosen, who lobbied for the human rights campaign during the Bush administration. I know that f- I know this week it feels like we're the skunk at the celebrate George Bush party, but this was our reality. We were kids and our friends were dying and the government was ignoring it because they were gay. He just didn't lead at a time when we were desperate for leaders. And by the end of his term, HIV infection was the leading cause of death for men in the United States from ages 25 to 44. Wrap your head around that shit. The leading cause of death for any demographic is a thing you should be like, "Mm, we need to pay some attention to that. And because it was a particular demographic, they didn't give a shit. It didn't matter until it became a young white kid issue in a George Bush's family issue, which is fucked up. Yeah. So, and then the last thing, I talked about this on uh, one of the solo podcasts last week, but this is the craziest fucking story. It's a great Twitter thread, too. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, I didn't. Uh, I, I saw this Twitter thread before we. Uh, I didn't include the guy's name when I talked about it last week. So let's just read through the Twitter thread. His name is at uh, Josh Clark Davis, spelled exactly the way you'd expect. Fucking asshole has three names. And, exactly. And there's also a New York Times article from 1989 that you can read. It's called White House Set Up Drug Buy in the Park for Bush TV Speech by Maureen Dowd from the 1989 archives on the New York Times. 
But let's read through this Twitter thread. President George Bush wanted to show America what crack cocaine looked like at his first Oval Office address on September 5th, 1989. He wanted to show you could even buy crack in front of the White House. That's how bad the crisis had gotten. That's how Bush announced his war on drugs. And the the rest of the Twitter thread, I don't I won't read it verbatim, but what they did, no one sold drugs near the White House. You would be insane to sell crack across the street from the White House. There's so much security, so many police, so Hopefully, many things. Like that part of town is not It's not chill. It's not the hood. <laughs> it's not you know? a chill part yeah. of town. It's not yeah, it's not the hood where the crack epidemic yeah, Washington is very segregated as a city. It's super duper segregated to the point that what they ended up doing is they had to lure a drug dealer from an area where crack was actually sold. And even their first or second attempt, people were like, ah, I'm not going there. That's crazy. Yeah. They finally, they had been in contact. It was a 19 year old high school senior who couldn't find it. Who couldn't even find the place. Not only could he not find it, there's audio recordings where he was like, what the fuck is the White House? Yeah. And he's like, oh, where Reagan lives. Yeah, no, <laughs> Bush. That was, or, yeah, he said, oh, where Bush lives. And they lure this kid to Lafayette Square across from the White House, which the White House, if you've ever been to Washington, D.C., I've been to Washington, D.C., it's not, it's not that kind of area, but it does... You feel tense there because you know there's so much security and so many eyes on you. And yeah. you know it's a kind of place where if something happens, it's going to be some terrorism shit. It's not going to be 19-year-old Keith Jackson pushing crack on you. Yeah, there's a lot There's a lot of like those car barriers where it's like these streets yeah. can be blocked off. They can just raise them up or bring them down. It's you know, it's a lot of like crowd control. It is a lot of that post-9-11 like used to be able to drive right, right in front of yeah. the White House. It is a wholly inappropriate place to sell crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. And because of that, no one did. So they lure this 19-year-old high school senior, Keith Jackson, I believe was his name, to Lafayette Square Park on September 1st, and they buy crack from him. George Bush gives this address to the nation on September 5th and holds up the crack that they bought from Keith Jackson and is like, see, you can even buy it across the street from the White House. And here's the thing. If the story ended there, amazing. Like I would, I would almost be like, "That's that's a neat stunt." Because if it ended there, notice Keith Jackson hasn't been arrested. But what they did instead, after that statement on the fifth, then they went and arrested Keith Jackson, who did not put it together that he was a fucking yeah. He didn't pawn. know he was being used. In, he didn't even know this fucking address was happening. And after this address, they arrest him, and they're like, "Oh, we got him. We got the fucking White House crack dealer." And by this point, there had already been mandatory minimums and things that had been put in place. And the judge in his case, I don't even know if it's in. He basically said, this is bullshit. Yeah. Like, he had I to... have to give you the minimum thing, but it's not right. You got set up. This is fucked. He had to sentence him to 10 years in prison. Jeez. A, a high school senior with no criminal record, his first offense, gets 10 years in prison because the judge had no, his hands were tied. He had to sentence him to that. That's what the law was. Yeah. And the judge was like, look, George Bush is a reasonable man. He literally said in his ruling, he set you up so he could pull a stunt during one of his speeches. But he's a reasonable man. If you go talk to him, I think you should ask him to commute your sentence. He's a reasonable, kind man who will probably give you some leniency. Nope. George Bush let that motherfucker rot in prison for eight years. He finally got out because he was only sentenced to 10 years and he got out early for good behavior. But eight years of the prime years of his life. Yeah, were it's all, it's your, all, all your 20s. Yeah, yeah. He could have been selling so much crack during that time. Yeah. Well, 
like they could have like what what would have been the harm if instead of arresting him on the fifth they were like look here's the kid who did it what we're gonna do is make this city a place where kids don't need to sell crack to make a living how fucking great would that have been yeah just like we're gonna try and we're gonna create a program that gives kids a better outlet yeah, you know, that would have been Turn in a gun and get money. They should have a program where, like, you turn in crack and get like. They probably have at some point. We but, will buy your crack. Yeah, <laughs> so we can redistribute, redistribute it, it at a yeah. profit in Los Angeles. Yeah, it's like a cash for gold kind of setup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that crack buy. That is there any more clear evidence that George Bush was not a good person? Like there, there's nothing gentlemanly yes. about that. His offspring. Yeah, there's nothing presidential about it. It's just. Well, he was buying it for his kids. Yeah, for their birthday. <laughs> this was the first incarnation of Postmates. You that realize was, that, right? <laughs> this was actually George uh, W. Bush's first time to Coke. He got in Daddy's drawer after hours and was like, what's this? Yeah, and maybe. I know there's some good stuff in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go out and check out that thread or check out that article. There is a lot of a lot more detail about this fucking scam that they pulled so George Bush could have a prop comic moment in his first speech to the nation. First televised speech. Didn't even pull out a sledgehammer. Fuck him. Yeah. How great would that have been? He, he sledgehammatic the, the bag of Coke and he's just covered <laughs> in white. Well, it was yeah. crack. It would have just been. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, it would have been, like, been pummeled, but it's like, oh. It would have just been flat. <laughs> Still smoking. Pancake crack. <laughs> My favorite kind. Yeah. Crepes. No, I want pancakes. <laughs> crack crepes. So... That's our episode. Uh, does anyone have any final thoughts on George Bush before we get out of here? I'm curious where you rank him out of the last five presidents. Uh, okay, so who are the last or five let's, presidents? Let's even put Jimmy Carter in the mix. Okay, so Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Clinton, Clinton Bush, Bush, Obama, Ob- Trump. Obama, Trump. Yeah, I, I mean, Trump and Reagan are one and two for worst. Trump's got to be the worst, right? No, because Reagan had eight years to destroy the country, and Trump's yeah. only had two at this point. Okay. Yeah, Ra- Reagan also like set the table for a lot of uh, right. future infractions and major yeah. issues. I'd say Reagan worse, Trump second worse, just because he hasn't had time. Wait, wait for him to the put potential a f- though. Yeah, let him let him put a few more albums out. Oh, he's gonna lose <sighs> his mind if this Mueller investigation shoe drops. Yeah, uh, and then I would say third worst probably. I guess Bush. Bush H W or Bush W? I think G Dubs was worse than his dad because he he took a lot of George Bush's policies and just tried to fulfill his legacy. Just ran with them. Yeah. Uh so I I'd say George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush. So honorable mention. Yeah. (laughs) Doesn't make the podium, but he's not. Your top three are Carter, Clinton, Obama? My top three would be man. It's hard I don't know enough about Carter to really place him. He was an ineffective president. Yeah, but ineffective is better than sending the country back. Is that by default better than someone who's just actively terrible? Yeah, I don't know. I would rather stay in place than step backward. I think, I think Obama is still my favorite president of the past, however many years. But yeah, it's the least of all the evils. Yeah, like look. Yeah, I'm not saying you're you're saying it's all great, but if you just looking into. Trump so much has led me to looking into Obama a lot more than I did. And man, he was not great. Like in Clinton, definitely like all of these mandatory minimums and things that we talk about. A lot of that happened under Clinton. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if any, 
I don't know if any presidency is honestly going to be set up in such a way or be conducted in such a way that, you know, someone's really going to be fantastic. Right. You I have mean, to make so many tough decisions that always have negative consequences for some group of people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, the presidency is the best example of how, like, not everyone's going to like you. You know, right. people get so worried on social media whether or not people are going to like them. And, you know, we're in a position as, you know, comedically inclined pe- people where it's like we want as many people to like us as possible. But presidency, it's like it seems to be real, really 50-50 each, with each go around, I mean, it, I mean, Trump's a little bit more skewed in the direction of like it feels like thirty seventy, <laughs> yeah, right now. But yeah, I feel like if you ask anybody, it's like, yeah, I mean, my life isn't that crazy yet. And then they, right, like, oh, it's all, I'm all right with it. It seems so. I don't. I feel like we haven't had one like that since maybe FDR or maybe Eisenhower, maybe yeah. maybe T, maybe Teddy Roosevelt. Even if you want to, Teddy Roosevelt was all right. I mean, I say that not knowing that much about Teddy Roosevelt. I used to have a T-shirt with his face on it, but that was just because he got shot during a speech and completed the speech. Bully! Do you have any predictions for who will be the Democrat nominee? Probably Joe Biden or something dumb like that. I I I feel like it's going to be Biden because he's so Obama-adjacent, and people assume he was tied to Obama, so of course Democrats are going to vote for him. It's like getting Obama back. You don't have to lose the vote. People are like, I won't vote for a black person, I won't vote for a woman or whatever. He's really charming. He is. I feel like he's going to run as kind of like Trump for the left. Because he's already come out and been like, oh, I'm a gaff machine. And I feel like that's going to end in him like calling Trump's kids retards or something and being like, whoops, sorry, I'm a gaff machine. And everyone on the left will be like, he says what's on everyone's mind. I really appreciate it. And he'll lose. I could see Cory Booker running for the nomination. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, don't. Yeah, it could be Beto. Uh, Beto could be in the mix at least, or maybe he could be considered as like a vice presidential candidate. Yeah, Kamala I could, Harris I could, will I could, probably run. I could see I could see Beto or Kamala Harris because they're not as experienced being like on a ticket. I don't know if they'd be on the presidential side of it, but I could see him on the VP side. And Bernie could still very much run. Yeah, The Rock could run. I don't think Kid The Rock, Rock will run till run? like twenty twenty four. What if Kid Rock and The Rock run together? Remember when it's he a ran, Rock Rock he announced 2020. he was running for Senate, and then he's like. Just kidding, but he was not kidding. He just got so much backlash in and over his head. He yeah, this is not a good idea. Yeah, fuck Kid Rock. <laughs> not like for real. Just fuck him. All right, let's get the fuck out of here. Oh, wait, what do we have to plug before we get out of here? Patreon.com slash pops. Five dollars a month, you get bonus episodes of all the podcasts I record. And join us on Discord. Go find the link. It's not our fucking job to It's in the it. Twitter bio. Oh. Joy. December 29th, Hollywood Hotel. I'll be there. Nine, You'll be there. 9 p.m. Stuart, you Free and show. Stu- yeah, I think we're just going to do a big-ass comedy show with a bunch of comics. I'm down to swing by. I, I actually have my oh, own Oh, you show. have your show that yeah. night. Yeah, so I have my monthly show, The Late Night Show with Stuart and Luke. It's a live late-night talk show that I do with my buddy Luke. I try to run it on a show, and Luke tries to make that not happen. Uh, that is <laughs> nice. the show. Uh, that's at the Hollywood Improv Lab on Saturday, December 29th at 11 p.m. So I'll try and swing by the Unpops live show so uh, that, before that. So that gives you time to come to our show. And then mm-hmm. go to Stewart's yeah. show. Yeah, or we could set up Make like a, a remote satellite thing, and then like <laughs> that sounds like a whole lot of work. Wire that him neither in. of us probably want to do. Well, I, I think that's I think that exceeds the tech qualifications of both the Hollywood Hotel and the Hollywood yeah. Improv. Not to besmirch either location. I'm just saying, you know, there's asbestos in both of those buildings. I'm sure. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and ghosts. Yeah. So yeah, come out to that Hollywood Hotel, December 29th, 9 p.m. It's going to be a lot of people on the lineup. Anna Valenzuela. Mm-hmm. Is on the lineup. Caitlin Cut. Oh yeah. Carrie Martin. 
Never heard of her. Chat's girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> nah, she wishes. Matt. Oh, by the way, fuck you and Kevin. I listened to the outtakes where you're like, Chet's bits are getting pretty desperate. <laughs> and, and Kevin was like, yeah, he wants to play tennis with me now. I genuinely wanted to play tennis with him. I asked him. There's no comedic misleadingness. I... Oh, Vanessa's like, Kevin no, plays tennis. I would play you tennis You started with him. the tennis thing as a bit. You were like, well, I tennis, Kevin will play me in tennis. Vanessa will get her soul and then, And then you guys were like, yeah, Vanessa's like, fuck Chet. She hasn't said that to me. <laughs> Vanessa's nah. been super nice to me. Don't try to start things with me and Vanessa because you guys have your own issues uh. with who I am as a human being. <laughs> uh, like, I, 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 I don't know if any listener knows what I look like, but that is... Coming from me, that is the whitest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> Do you play tennis? Uh, no, I, I, I'm, lear- I'm learning to play racquetball, though, which is like tennis in a panic room. That's yeah. tennis, tennis for people who Racquetball can be dangerous. <laughs> make sure you got oh, that fucking thing wrapped around your wrist because you want yeah. a paddle yeah. go. And make sure you have your quick. Casio watch with a fucking calculator on it. <laughs> like I'm, I'm getting serious. The 80s. I just got uh, some some goggles for it, uh, so I'm going to look nice. mad 80s. So uh, a world champion racquetball player approached me after a comedy show a year okay. or two ago. No, this, uh, this, let me share this. Stuart has to get out of here. <laughs> just real quick. Okay. I'll hear the story. He's, the story. he's in his 80s, right? And he plays, he plays racquetball every morning at 6 a.m., and he says he beats people that are like 40. That are like, how is this he's guy a zen, so good? He's a Zen master. That's what he is. He goes, you want, he's telling me all this, and he goes, you want to know my secret? I go, Sure. And he this is in line after a comedy show. He whispers in my ear. He goes, "I jerk off in the parking lot twice before every match." <laughs> <laughs> nice, gross. Oh man, I've seen those old guys just ruin younger men, and they they don't move. They stay in the same spot. Yeah, and they just just destroy fools. It's because amazing. it's just a, a game of knowing ball placement. Yeah. Anyways, anyways, that was a story no one's listening to. <laughs> For Adam Tom Brown and Stuart Thompson, I'm Chet Wild. Good luck, America. Why won't you do this ending? You have to say goodbye. No, we say good luck. I mean, Stuart, we wish people say goodbye. Good no. uh, so long, everybody. No. Chet, say goodbye as Stephen Page from the Bare Naked Ladies. Say goodbye as I. I could not. Tony so- Scalzo. Do a, uh, let's not, hear your Tony Scalzo impression. To, I did meet Stephen Page, though, and he's delightful. What's he sound like when he talks? I'm not going to do impressions. It's not my... Oh, hey, it's not my... this is Stephen Page, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Canada, eh? <laughs> I had a million dollars, eh? <laughs> it's All right. no big deal, though. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the fuck out of here. Goodbye, everybody. We Good luck, America. <laughs> <laughs>